0: Hey, Fiends of the Pod, Nate Wyckoff, your host here again, reminding you, like, subscribe, and yes, it is hard to come up with these extra little special things for every episode, but like my good friend behind me, Godzilla, I will not stop until every single building in a metropolitan area is destroyed, if you don't like and subscribe. Enjoy, and please go to cultandclassicfilms.com to pick up exclusive cult movies, and also you can subscribe and have them delivered at a discount to your door every single month. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Cult and Classic.
0: <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends of the pod, to a very special episode of Cult and Classic Films Podcast, the podcast where we generally talk about two thematically linked films—a mainstream one and a cult one. In this case, we've got a special one-off episode for you, which we do sometimes. It is called "Thankful and Hateful." That's right. Uh, it's Thanksgiving time while we're recording this, and so we like to do an episode where we tend to give thanks and give uh anger uh, aggravated frustration all that stuff because they go hand in hand right uh but i also don't like to brand these as a holiday thing because you know you can listen to it any time of year we can bitch and moan any time of year and be thankful you know what well, eh, eh. anyway i'm your host Film you. i know uh, i'm i'm your uh host can we tell we're all a little punch drunk here uh this is we, we record multiple episodes in a row because we're efficient but that also means that we're tired so I'm your host, film critic and comedian Nate Wyckoff. I'm going to bring my best, despite being uh, half asleep. And we've got Tad Mastriani with us today. How are you doing, Tad? I'm hungry, hungry. And Mandy Longley, how are you doing?
1: Good. I'm in in a mood to complain about stuff. Yes, awesome.
0: So uh, I think I, I think we should start with the thankful because oftentimes we aren't as passionately uh, aren't as passionate <laughs> about the thankful section because. Uh, we're already grateful for it. Uh, We don't necessarily need some sort of fix or have a gripe with it, as opposed to the hateful section where we can become infuriated, infuriated. So what we're going to do is we're going to share what we're thankful for, and then we're going to give a movie or a show that somehow exemplifies that. All right, so I'll go first, break the ice. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that the big studio system is breaking down once again what i mean by that they're never gonna go away but what i mean by that is that there are other uh filmmaking groups and distributors that are sort of filling in the gaps left by uh, the studios who are, are making less and turning out less successful stories uh on average for example a24 is a really um good example pretty much everyone who watches movies regularly has heard of a24 at this point they tend to put out sort of art house horror films although they are definitely branching into uh non-horror territory that is their current goal normally i would be like if but they actually have some good stuff going on i will say this they're doing uh my understanding is that they're the ones producing a, the biopic of elon musk uh which i am very much against because he's happy with it which makes me unhappy although it's early early in pre-production and get this this is not even part of my hateful this is just a side thing Uh, Darren Aronofsky has agreed to make the film Uh, if you cannot now this is I haven't seen the film perhaps is going to blow my mind in a very different way but I cannot imagine that a movie a biopic based off of the book that the person it's about wrote is going to show him in the shit covered light that he actually lives in in the world and my i'm sorry i am a big fan of most of darren arnovsky's work even the stuff i don't like i appreciate some of the risks he took and for him to take this seems i don't know is he is he okay can we do a wellness check is he living in his car what happened right like what happened that that has caused him to take this movie okay that's beside uh, but A24 is great uh, for most of the the films. I I always I always step out to see their film. Uh, even there are times when I don't like it. I think Talk to Me, which everybody seemed to love, I don't quite know why. It's actually, in my opinion, a bad film, but it has some promise. So maybe a sequel would be good. But A24 takes risks. They give money to people who a a larger studio system, say Warner Brothers, would not be willing to fund, and they give us because of that movies like. Um, Bo is afraid with Walking Phoenix, which is wild. They give us movies like um uh men, which we will absolutely talk about in this podcast, which has uh an ending that will baffle even the most uh experienced of literary critics. and uh yet it's it's powerful. It's really interesting stuff. So I appreciate that we're getting studios that have enough, little money behind them uh, to take these steps forward and put out what so many of us are actually hungry for, uh, as opposed to yet another, I mean, I'm not saying it's not a good film, it has a great cast, so perhaps it is a good film, but I just don't even have the interest to see Gran Turismo. I know that it's based off a real story about people who play Gran Turismo, but and that's unfair to the people who actually did it because i'm sure that that is a very interesting story i don't want to see another video game movie right now i don't i don't want to see another video game tv show and i love video games but they're never as wild as intense as i want them to be they're never they're trying to cross the boundary uh to to a wider audience and it's not good anyway i I'm hate thankful. to tell you nathan ah,
2: yes but um with the inevitable collapse of the MCU you're going to in the next few years see the rise of the NCU the Nintendo cinematic universe i guarantee it you're going to see in the next few years oh, cuz it's already it's, i already see the framework being built oh uh,
0: they're all, they've already announced uh pre-production for the legend of zelda movie the live action yep. legend of zelda and movie. i heard it
2: and i don't give a shit
0: i uh, they've already done i mean obviously and super mario brothers unfortunately i did not think was very good it didn't it work it was okay
2: it was cute
0: they they did all sorts of things that were just a bad decision. I actually was bored yeah. at one point. It was good. here's the thing, it was fine.
1: Younger people actually care about the Nintendo franchise with these specific titles that they're making movies about. Or are they supposed yeah. to be aimed at people our age? And like, we're also they're also not really casting a, about them?
2: They're going to cast a wide net because that's what Nintendo does. And that's, yeah, they they tend to they tend to over sanitize their work. And I mean,
0: so. Yes, and I agree. And like the Super Mario Brothers movie, though, it just there were so many missed opportunities. Like you had um, Aunt Taylor Joy as Peach, and Peach Mm -hmm. barely—they're like she's she's not the princess waiting to be rescued. Great, can she have an Mm -hmm. actual arc? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have Jack Black as Bowser. Fantastic. Can you give him some actual screen time? No. Okay. Um, How about instead you put in a framing story with uh, a insanely weirdly stereotyped. Uh, Italian family which by the way you took out the Italian accent kind of because you didn't want to offend people and then you put in this hackneyed scene from Saturday Night Fever without the grittiness of of Mario and Luigi at the dinner table with their like Italian stereotype family okay listen then you listen you have 10 minutes before (laughs) they even go to the Mushroom Kingdom 15 I think and at one point there's a whole section where they are attacked by a dog in someone's apartment, trying to hide in the shower while they're trying
2: to plumb a toilet—that's that's Mario. That's Mario. Nobody, Nathan. Nobody in—and I'm gonna do the thing right now. Nobody in the history of the world, with any heritage, is offended by the whole bibbity-bobbity thing. No, I nobody, <laughs> never. Uh, here's the thing. I love that you're talking with your hands.
0: Uh, yes. And and in case anybody didn't know, Tad Mastriani is very italian so yes. yeah i mean here's the thing it was just okay it, it had so many opportunities and i feel like it it failed it was it's good for five-year-olds which is not offend i'm not offending five-year-old content i'm saying that there was nothing for anyone older to grip onto or even
2: chuckle at yeah even Except my 11 year song was like we saw it's that okay. before the movie came out yeah mm-hmm. um so that Nathan, was this i got an idea Hold on, okay. I got an idea. Mm-hmm. We can fix this, all right. Uh, we get Dennis Hopper to be Bowser. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we cast uh, uh, some fat guy to be Mario, and we get John Leguizamo to be Luigi. <gasps> Banger idea.
0: I yeah. I I wish something like that existed. And you know what they should do? They should actually instead. So they should turn uh, Mushroom Kingdom into like a Blade Runner hellscape.
2: Yes. Um, yes. Absolute fucking dystopia I, with fire and
0: and jump boots and bombs. Every, uh, you know what? Princess Peach should stab Yoshi because I think there's a tension between them uh, that isn't isn't fully explored in the mythos, and they need to do that. Um, I wish Greg was here to talk about it. Greg is our, our resident Nintendo <laughs> freak. So anyway, um, so I'm thankful that there are studios moving in to the big studio territory now. Do I actually think the big studios are going to get their comeuppance for screwing over so many of us? Can Warner Brothers cancel another movie that I want to see? Can you do that? Can you take a movie that you've already made and shove it in a back room for me some more? At least Roger Corman had the good sense to have somebody leak the film, right? Yet I can't see Batgirl. You know, because uh, because they're like, we, we, we got to make thirty eight million dollars in tax, you know, rebates or write offs. I'm like, shut up, you are horrible. Anyway, and I love DC Comics. It's my whole deal. Okay, so I'm grateful uh, that there are other production studios moving in who are who are doing more interesting projects. I don't think that the big systems are in any way going to suffer from this. I think they will have some minor aches and pains. And what they're going to do is then they're going to go, oh we're going to distribute your movies. And because we have a wider distribution net and what's going to happen is, is these companies that are producing these movies will say yes. They will say yes, because they can't say no to that kind of money and exposure. And then as they have the money and exposure and contracts in place, Warner Brothers, just an example, there's everyone's going to do this, but they're going to say, okay, this project is great. We love it. We need to work on... um the portrayal of uh of anybody of of um of uh Nicaraguan guitar players okay we're gonna need to work on that so um even though there's nothing to do with that and there's nothing about Nicaragua or guitar players in general in this movie we're gonna need to insinuate one of those characters in here right so and I'm being facetious but that's what's going to happen. And what does that mean? It means that we will be back to this exact same system. The, produ- the the big distribution company, the big production company will be dictating content made by these smaller production houses. It's going to happen at some point, most likely, with most of all of them. You know, I think maybe something like A24 might survive because they're already getting big enough on their own. They're having success. But, you know, People with money have just more opportunity and more methods to insinuate themselves into whatever they want to make more money. And that's going to, you know, whatever. But anyway, I appreciate that right now we're getting a breakdown of that. You know, hopefully we can get to the point like we were in the 70s and 80s with Canon and Golem Globus and these little, frankly, often garbage production houses um that just want content and i'm not talking netflix or hulu or a streaming service that wants to produce a movie i'm talking about companies that go out to make a movie that's what they go out to do they don't go out to get subscribers so when they do that even if it's even if it ends up being garbage 90% of the time we will get garbage that has some uniqueness because people are behind it who want to make their movie right even if it goes back to the whole idea of you know um uh naked ladies on the back of a, a motorcycle and they make a motorcycle gang movie that's you know just mm-hmm. wild angels, right? Or whatever, or <laughs> easy rider. That's at least something that we haven't had in a long time. We need that infusion. And I'm grateful that I think we're getting some of that because people are seeing holes they can put their their money into to get films made that are are not something the studio's even going to bother looking at. Mandy. What are you thankful? For? Oh, and I used A twenty four as an example. What are you thankful for, Mandy?
1: Okay, so kind of I, I don't know. I I'm like I don't get to see that many films outside of the podcast because I'm very very busy. Uh, but I get I get to the movie theater every once in a while, and I would say I am thankful that movie theaters are still in business, that they yes. still exist, because that was not really a guaranteed thing. Um, after COVID. Uh, a lot of them struggled and a lot fewer people are going to see films in person. I know that when I do actually go see a film in person, I'm usually the only one in the theater. And I'm like, yeah. how are they still open? This is wild. So I'm very grateful that that's still a thing. If I had more time to go see movies, I'd say I was also very thankful for the monthly subscription services yeah. that a lot of these theaters have. So you go watch as many films as you want, because films are like going to see them in the theater is getting to be like prohibitively expensive. Yep. For a lot of folks especially people who are fans who want to see like four or more movies in a month mm-hmm. um you know uh, so it's really great to see that they're diversifying their business plans by having these um like monthly subscriptions um mm-hmm. as watch as much as you want kind of thing so i someday maybe i'll get to participate in that uh and then finally i'd say uh really thankful this fall season for all of the book based movies that are coming out that I'm a fangirl of, uh, that are not Marvel universe based. Uh, (laughs) that'll be my, my gripe as it will come up. Spoiler. I'm going to, that will, I'll be hypocritical and say like, Oh, I would like more films. I'm grateful for all the films on the written content that I am a fan of (laughs) Uh, (laughs) such as, um, like the new Hunger Games film that's coming out, the new Dune film that's coming out. Oh, um I did just binge watch All the Light You Cannot See That We Cannot See that is on Netflix, uh, which is based on an amazing novel, uh, with so much detail and heart to it. I highly recommend that as, as either watching the mini-series because it's like a four, it's like four hours. It would have been like a really long movie. Um, and they broke it down into four episodes so i say like uh keep them coming because this is a great season for uh film and tv shows that are based on really good books
0: yeah i mean i think that that that's totally true and that's sort of the the next the the next step of the the comic book boom in film you know, is they're looking for other areas of content, like Tad said, video games, right? Are are already being done, and you know, books have always been a big source, but I think we're getting more because people love to say, um, for years now, they love to say print is dying uh, in regards to books. The reality mm-hmm. is, is that many books, especially like young adult titles or um, sci-fi fantasy titles that aren't mm-hmm. you know hard sci-fi, those are actually have gone up a lot. Um, oh they're and, so
1: great like and... yeah there's so much good stuff coming out um i just read uh in the lives of puppets which is that sounds awesome which it's so it's hilarious i want to see that movie get made it's like um like an, a juxtaposition or opposite retelling of the pinocchio story where there is one real boy and everybody else in the fit in the in the story who's gonna say the film everyone else in the story is an android or, like, a puppet oh, created oh. by man at one point in time, um, you know, but now, like, oh. in this story, there's only one live person, uh, like, that exists. So it's very, very cool. Oh. Um, like, opposite retelling and uh, the characters are all hilarious. Uh, most of the characters have a parallel or, like, a tie-in to other very, like, popular pop culture icons like nurse nurse ratchet from one flew over cuckoo's Mm -hmm. nest there is a character who's like a nurse android who is named after her and is very like sadistic ish but like in a loving way (laughs) they sort of like turn that one around a little but um it's just like that one's super fun i would love to see that movie made
0: i Um, i'm sold already anything that has puppet even in the title i'm down to go for yeah
1: so you should check that one out uh and yeah I don't know so that anyway that's what I'm grateful for is that they are still like there are great books and they're still making movie and tv shows based on those books and they're actually really well done um they do the source material justice with good production quality and cast list and everything so well, that
0: is something a miniseries can succeed at that books often can't I mean that 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 single movies it's off of books movie, you know yeah. I think of like Lemony Snicket's a series of unfortunate events you know that mm-hmm. you had a great cast and some pretty good direction but the script tried to cram what 13 books or 12 books into one movie yeah, it's just it was very 13. ineffective yeah um you know but that happens and we know we know why but it's it's not a great choice Tad Tad of course asked to go first because he's very tired and uh I said no I actually put him last on this wrong uh okay sorry i forgot mother tad what are you thankful for in film and tv right now and and uh what's an example that that exemplifies that example It's
2: it's two sides of the same coin for me right now i guess i can be thankful that the technology has gotten us to the point where now we have the opportunity to realize projects that would have never been possible over the past couple of decades Um, My understanding is that One Piece, the live action, is really good because the story is well done and the special effects are now good enough where you can kind of uh, emulate what's in the anime.
0: Relatively inexpensively. Yeah.
2: Yeah. On the flip side, because the technology has become so ubiquitous, uh, we've seen examples of it becoming a crutch. So everyone complained about how CGI was sort of supplanting a lot of practical effects in a lot of films and we saw that is indeed true and even when people would say oh well we're going to use more practical effects it turns out that a lot of the people who used to be really really good at that have retired and they're passed away exactly like um i was recently informed that the guy who did and this this doesn't have to do with cgi but it's just an example of how the old guard really is fading away and probably never to be replaced Uh, the man who did the jaws poster recently passed away Mm -hmm. and that's because i'm following drew struzan on Twitter. twitter 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 um and um he's someone i've i've admired a long time because he's done almost every good movie poster over the past 30 years. Uh, He did all of the star Wars novels covers. His artwork is fantastic. And it's the end of an era when he retired. And then the people around, you know, and adjacent to that are all going away and it's getting harder and harder probably, and more expensive to find people who can actually do the practical effects that um, when we were kids was relatively cheap. Like I was uh, mentioning to my wife, I was watching one of the more recent Discovery dinosaur documentaries and looking at the special effects and going, Jurassic Park looked better than this. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, which came out in, what, 1994? That and, was And its recent
0: anniversary, you know, theater run. Uh, I went to see it, and, I mean,
2: it's still
0: stunning. Amazing.
2: Stunning. Like, and, there is you know, nothing like those special effects.
0: And they... And they, you know, it's because they use CGI in a limited capacity to enhance what was there at at, exactly. at most, right? And they built it. And we get, you know, I I I've talked, I think, at the pod at some point. Um, I had recently had the pleasure to meet, uh, as he was, uh, having an estate sale because he was moving. Um, the re- now retired Greg Canum, uh, an in incredible multi Emmy award-winning special effects artist. He did the, um, he was like a head uh, designer on Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola um, on uh, uh, the, the Vice, the Dick Cheney satirical biopic. Uh, just just an incredible and very nice guy. And it worked, he worked on tons of um, some Empire and Full Moon features as well. Uh, really cool stuff. And he's, you know, he really is, one of the last bastions of truly t- the technical advancement of physical special effects and so we have people who are skilled we have a lot of you know i follow a lot of really great people creature workshop things like that on uh on instagram and things and they have some really cool fun amazing designs they're i love them they're not the same right because this you know people like greg um can like realism was important to what he did and it's not supposed to always look fantastical even the fantastical films are supposed to look grounded in reality often and so that kind of technical precision i mean going through you know lucky enough to to let us in to go through his house seeing the racks and racks of teeth you know, masks. I mean, the the face masks, the things that were used, um, dremeled, physically molded, and done—just unbelievable. And uh, we are moving to a point where people are going to have
2: to rediscover that skill. Uh, and and it's I think, hard. I think, I think that's okay because you kind of have to. I mean, that's that's what drove the industry to that point, sure. right? With people who were absolutely willing to put the time and effort in to get push that into. Mm-hmm. the mainstream the problem is is that the mainstream used it the mainstream eventually found something that was more cost effective they and it eventually got pushed out and it ties back to what you were saying before is there are now holes to fill mm-hmm. so for anyone who's listening if you are passionate about those things stop acting like you need to learn those skills and develop those skills to try and get into that mainstream start thinking about your own projects and start trying to build something on your own, because that is really the only way forward at this point. The mainstream is going to continue down this road where they're going to either lean on CGI or they're going to start working towards AI, which will have its own issues. And if people are really looking for that visceral, realistic feel that old special effects could uh, evoke, uh, good luck, you're going to have to do it on your own. And it's going to be with your own time, your own money. And you're going to have to find a lot of people who are willing to support you on that. But you're guess what, you got to go build it on your own. And the nice thing
0: is, is, you know, yes, everything costs money. But, you know, to do a lot of those special effects, it's practice and technical skill, you could get everything you need. I could literally, I mean, it's too late now of the day, but I could go to the Michaels <laughs> up the road from me, and the craft supply store and get everything, literally everything you would need to make a professional uh, say, monster mask or or um special effects applique. You know, that that kind of stuff is available. It's just the the practice, precision, and skill and the tips and tricks that one would learn through a lifetime of the craft that are are you're like Tad said, they're gonna have to be rediscovered soon because they're just not there anymore. And interestingly enough, um, that that made me think of Jim Henson. Studios, which is a dream love of mine, Uh, you know, ever since, I mean, I was a kid and watching the Muppets with my parents and just everything, whether or not you're Sesame Street, it's truly unbelievable. It's brought so much joy um, to the world, truly incredible, incredible production company and studio by a a, a, a sort of genius creative figure. They, I I have to say, uh, when the Five Nights at Freddy's movie came out very recently, uh, I was disappointed when I first saw the trailer because they used 3D animated figures. I'm like, it looks, I know why they did it. it looks like the video game almost exactly. And I'm like, but I wish they would have actually in this case changed it a little bit to make it fit in the real world. And then I discovered that they are physical props made by the Jim Henson Studios company. That is how good it is. Now of course there's some 3D you know augmentation here and there, but that is how good it is. It is actually so good that it looks fake at this point in time with what we've seen over and over again with CGI. CGI has literally failed us in the way that we now, I literally, after seeing thousands upon thousands of movies, not even joking, I saw something that was good enough, specific enough, that I was like, it's CGI. I wish it wasn't, I wish it looked more real. And to find out that it is physically real. I'm like, that is that it's not quite on the, it's not quite the the parallel, but it's like an uncanny valley-esque moment where my whole perception is what's changed. And that perception, it's like an inverted uh uh uncanny valley, you know. The the thing isn't so close to real that it feels uncomfortable because it's not quite there in some infinitesimal level. It's actually gone to the point where I no longer see what is real as real because it is too exact compared to what i'm used to seeing and that was a wild wild moment so it's a it's a whole new world uh we're gonna quickly move on because i know this is a this is you know people don't have a lot of time this week so we'll get right in there i'm gonna go with what my hateful thing this week is and it's very tied to my grateful moment okay the hateful moment i am so sick and tired of movies not taking risks i am sick and tired of it it is so mind numbingly boring to watch so many films and here's an issue i know a lot of people don't get to like mandy said a lot of people don't get to watch a ton of movies especially in the theater and so it's not so bad when you just don't get to do it a lot it's an experience right even a bad movie is an experience here's the problem it is moving from an art form from a a method of true intellectual and and uh and spiritual I'm going to use that word and emotional communication and everybody say goodbye to tad uh okay. it is it is moving from that to to something that feels ai created and guess what folks there are features from big studios that are already have already used ai and are already using ai in fact warner brothers uh it was leaked that uh, who knows the the full truthfulness of this because as we mentioned in another episode upcoming people at the top of corporations tend to be the least technically capable at which point uh they often say things or want to make decisions that are not based on reality and so warner brothers had uh some some internal communication about uh that they planned to use ai exclusively ai to determine which project to move forward for their slated projects going forward now could it could it, could it potentially be done? Yeah, well, you can ask you can ask chat D- GPT to make a decision, but you need yeah. a lot of complicated programming and understanding and advanced algorithm, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. I don't, I'm not yeah. a, a designer to do that effectively where you would actually maybe have some sort of predictor of, of in- income. But that's the mindset, okay? So that's mm-hmm. what's going to move forward. Now, there is a film, at least one, that's already being made that is uh, the, quote unquote, the first completely AI-generated script. Um, yeah. You know, South Park had that brilliant moment uh, where in, in one of their recent uh, mini movies for Paramount Plus, mm-hmm. where the entire end or maybe it was a, a Comedy Central episode. Anyway, uh, the entire ending of the episode to resolve it was written by AI and mm-hmm. they just animated and voiced the AI uh, <laughs> script. <laughs> Did they kill and it is it was insane like it it was almost like a human wrote it but you know it's it's at best it's like talking to um uh meta support for facebook or instagram you know they're even smart enough to make it seem like it's somebody in india or overseas at a call center when it's Mm -hmm. literally a bot so that you know they're getting good at that but we're moving away from those risks i don't like that i want more interesting things. Even if it fails, I want it to be interesting. I'm tired and I am going to pick on James Wan here. I've been doing it lately because I've been watching through his filmography and it's problematic for me. As Tad said, go back to smaller projects, okay? I think that a lot of the people in Hollywood, uh, and I'm using Hollywood in general, in the studio system or being sold to the studio system are quote unquote safe. Like Mm -hmm. I'm tired of seeing a conjuring film. OK, because I know what's going to happen. It's a flat female character. It's got a scene where the male lead does something like strenuous, right, to 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 win. And then it has a solution at the end where it's essentially people saying something they think is poignant or just looking off. That's it. That's the whole concept. And it's over and over again. It's safe. There's nothing new. There's nothing interesting. There's no risk. There's I never feel in the audience scared, worried, tense, elated Mm. there's no emotional response it is literally just me spending time not doing the rest of my life and escapism in that sense is is fine and dandy but you can do more with that escapism you can actually have a productive escapist experience that makes you feel something become a better person uh be scared about something that is happening uh like ai okay there's things that you can do so there's not a need for garbage that has no soul for, for, to, to say something that is difficult to quantify. I don't like that. I'm tired of it. It is, it's, it's wasted energy. It's wasted energy across the board. So many people have to work on movies, even small productions that when you see something like that, and it's hard not to be disappointed because so many people put their energy and life and love into that project. And it will not be appreciated because the end result is mm-hmm. so deeply flawed that that no one can really love it. People can say they like it, they won't love it. So that's what hurts me. And I, I continue to hope that we're getting away from that for at least a period. I do think it's cyclical and it will come back and forth. But Mandy, your last up. What do you find hateful about film and TV right oh, now?
1: Okay. I is probably an unpopular opinion, but I'm so sick of Marvel movies. so like and i guess like that could be extended like i'm just feeling very hateful about the big movie industry tendency to like just milk every single franchise for every single minute of every single movie they can get like they did it with um like the hobbit Mm -hmm. like book after lord of the rings was success success or like oh Mm -hmm. instead of like a cute little single one-off movie for the hobbit let's make it three stupid movies that have nothing to do with the book like you know Just... barely have anything to do to the book now they're like oh well let's make um the harry potter final film two films like let's make i'm not a hunger fan games, of, two films, yeah uh, split hunger up. games two films let's make uh twilight which i am not a fan of like let's make that last film like two films mm-hmm. uh and then now it's like the marvel universe franchise it's like a thousand movies at this point i don't even like but every time i do have time to go to the movies and want to go to the movies there is like one or two marvel films like out taking up space (laughs) of something else that could be more interesting and more like different Mm -hmm. to go and watch versus like oh it's yet another like marvel universe film that is happening for some reason um they're just Know it's probably unpopular there's obviously well, like a ton of people that are super into those films and very happy that they keep making them but like i'm over it they're and- doing
0: a lot less well yeah. right yeah. And you got they keep saying why is this happening right oh well yeah. they're rehashing the same thing blah 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 there's something to be said for saturation people get tired yeah. seeing some of the same things over and over again and yeah, but uh, also
1: it's like i mean if i have gone with friends who are more into the marvel universe and or like try to watch like some of the movies and you're just missing so much context sure. if you haven't watched the other 30 films it's like, like jumping into to...
0: half of season four of uh, yeah. like episode four in season four of a series that you know nothing about
1: right um, yeah. so it's just like it's great but like you're taking up precious time on the, the schedule mm-hmm. of like these theaters and they cost like a this... lot of money
0: and yeah, people what gets me is a lot of and here's the thing i i love comic books i love a huge number of the marvel films mm-hmm. i have been disappointed by the last few for sure and uh I, and i will say the caveat is go see the marvels it's a very fun movie everyone support it uh it's a wonderful female lead cast it's a lot of fun um it's not a deep movie but neither does it have to be a deep movie but even i i don't as i said um seeing ant-man 3 ant-man and wasp in quantum mania i was talking to my wife and i was just like this is the first time i don't think i'm going to go see the next marvel movie Mm -hmm. now of course i did because it was one i actually had some vested interest in the marvels but i'm not i'm no longer interested because they weren't taking risks and that's something that i often Mm -hmm. criticize and even on this pod which has well that marvel movies don't take risks and yeah. because of that, I'm never tense. I never have any sort of emotional connection with them. Once a character mm-hmm. leaves that is an actor I like, then mm-hmm. who who cares, right? Uh, I no longer have the invested interest because I was frankly more invested in that person than I am the film and the character. Uh, that's why I preferred Zack Snyder's DC Universe. It was dark. It was... It didn't have to be dark but it was a lot and there were there were there were tense moments it was a it was what i think of as a blockbuster it was an intense experience to see those movies and i'm very sad that warner brothers you know essentially not even essentially ousted zack snyder uh and i love james gunn i've talked about him so much on this podcast and the fact that he's co-head of dcu films it should elate me but i it doesn't and i was like why am i why am I so not happy about this? Like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not that I'm disappointed. I just, and I'm like, because I'm tired of it. I'm tired. I'm tired of Marvel not changing anything. And I'm tired of Warner Brothers with DC Comics changing every two movies because they, they, mm-hmm. everything is a failure. Like to them, like, it's just nothing, you know, I can't. It's like Ben Affleck said this about, um about Justice League. Uh, because you know he played batman in the Snyderverse. i personally think that he was the best batman there are people who are on my side and there are many who are detractors i that's fine Uh, but he said of zack snyder of the zack snyder cut which went from a like two hour movie to a four hour film he said the amazing thing about that is that he took my worst reviewed movie of my career and made it the best reviewed movie of my career that is what can happen when you have someone and people involved in a movie that care about it have a vision Mm -hmm. and they want to put it forward and zack snyder outlined since then what his plans were for the dc universe and they were very different from the comics and yet when you hit it right and you engage people even Mm -hmm. fanboys not all of them some just want to be angry especially star wars fans Mm -hmm. but they will they will follow and it will become mm-hmm. a new canon. For example, Harley Quinn was not from the comic books. She was not in the Batman mm-hmm. comic books. She was created uh, by what, Paul Dini, uh, or is or it Ellen? anyway, Anyway, uh, for the cartoon and was so popular because she's a fun character, they brought her mm-hmm. into the comics. That's how a vision that is uh, uh, really, they care about what they do as a creator and they want to put it forth in a way that brings them satisfaction. That's how you can get those really great moments. And you can't do that when you refuse to commit or when you refuse to change and you try and recapture that same lightning in a bottle, you lose it. I'm also mad because for example, Star Wars, they pushed Marvel's, you know, Disney pushed Marvel's cinematic universe to the point where they were putting out so much content that it got sloppy or sloppier and it got... Mm -hmm poorly reviewed and then they start doing that thing that the warner brothers does and they panic cancel and panic reshoot and everything yeah. becomes a uh a, a, you know this homogenized um project that's totally driven by audience feedback yeah. and screenings and it's not very good and i'm mad because that happened with star wars to a lesser mm-hmm. extent because you got solo a star wars movie which we all enjoyed uh mm-hmm. frankly and that was rev- that was considered a flop. Okay, which by the way, Ron Howard finished that movie. He's a very good established director. And yeah. uh with a big name behind him and uh and because of that, they ditched all this content. And it wasn't until the Mandalorian came back, which by the er, came out, which um is still having trouble breaking into new Star Wars content, right? Um before they did that, it was stagnated. And by the way, Guess who's directed a lot of The Mandalorian? Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, Ron Howard's daughter, who is an amazing, beautiful, awesome actress and director, I love her. So you get these people, and why? Why did a project that that was somewhat similar in tone, solo, and something like Mandalorian, which I think was fantastic, et cetera, why did one fail and the other didn't, okay? And why then did one change the course of a franchise's development and the other hasn't really, even though it's successful, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 very frustrating because we know these companies, just like our own employers outside of the industry, if you work somewhere mm-hmm. else, they're looking at the money and they don't have a strong connection to the content, to the actual the the feet on the ground, the people who uh, whose goal it is to stylize a film, to write a script. They don't have that connection right? Mm -hmm. Maybe there are some that do and they get excited, but oftentimes, especially late in production, you don't have that anymore. They start looking at things that are like, oh no, this is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem. This audience didn't like it. The audience here had something different to say, cut, add, whatever. And it becomes a huge mess. And Mm -hmm. then they use that as a reason to not pursue something. And yeah. instead, they want to start over, or they want to dig up yet another older property and try and revitalize mm-hmm. it. And I'm not against bringing back older properties. I, I live, we're millennials. I live in nostalgia, right? We don't have anything else. Um, <laughs> but it gets—it's so obvious from the outside when you look in that you—it's hard to understand and have sympathy for those inside the machine of, uh, you know, the the large production houses to see in there and be like. I I get it. I understand your pressure because we can see the problem. We're the consumers and not everyone sitting in a focus group theater can voice that effectively. Mm. So why are we using that? as the driving force by the way other a lot of other countries who make films do not do that they do not have mm. multiple focus screenings and then do recuts and edits and additions yeah. they don't do that the idea is that the filmmaker made the film it makes a film and they put and it out. They put the film out is very much like that for example yeah. and it is so it is it, it really it leads to that homogenization the neutering of content um yeah and you know if my if something is going to fail because of x, y, and Z, maybe it's gonna fail because it's offensive, okay? Mm-hmm. Let it fail, right? yep, that's that's sort of the whole idea. Yep. like you can't fire someone for being, you know, for for believing in something horrible, like a, a racist agenda. Mm-hmm. You can't fire them for that. You can fire them if their behavior their actions affect mm-hmm. somebody else, but you can't you can't hurt them for their mind, right? Yeah. but people cannot like them. We cannot like them. We cannot talk to them. That's the repercussions of being a bad person, per se. So the reality is, is if you make a product that isn't good and hurts people, the, the outcome isn't, I'm going to change this whole franchise. I'm going to erase you from history. The answer is, is that we will say, sorry, don't like you. Not going to go see your movie. Not going to go see your standup, uh, you know, X, yeah. Y, and Z, right? So it's there, there's this misunderstanding, I think, in, in a lot of the, a lot of the big studios or any big company that these, hmm. they can control these small things. And when they do that, they, yeah. yes, maybe they, they, they eliminate some risk of a big bomb or something that they have to PR cover, you know, uh, cover their ends, but they also miss out on the huge successes and you're going to have more, more successes than you're going to have catastrophic failures. Maybe you'll have Mm -hmm. more failures and successes, but the catastrophic ones that actually affect you in the long term, they're not going to be as many as the big successes that people remember you for. So I wish that that would go through. And it's very obvious for so many of us who are consumers, but it's in an insular world of uh, big corporations like production houses uh, that are huge, just doesn't read. They don't get it yet. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see if that ever changes, but. Well, that's been Thankful and Hateful, our yearly roundup of what we are appreciative for in film and movies uh, in the contemporary time and what we are hateful about. And I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Please catch up with us next week. We have a fantastic double feature uh, that we'll be talking about called uh, Animals Behaving Badly. And it is very exciting. Uh, two 2023 films, which, uh, hey, we have we have one of the, the most uh, extreme consensuses between all of the panelists on one movie our next episode so make sure you catch it uh, next week every tuesday at 5 a.m also follow us on youtube youtube.com slash cult and classic film subscribe we offer our new episodes on video every tuesday and a classic episode on video every thursday so you get twice the uh, episodes from us you can watch on cult and classic films uh you know youtube channel you can also go to our website culting classic films but please go to patreon check it out get exclusive movies that are only available uh in special collector's editions and and high definition forms from us and you can get them very inexpensively by subscribing uh monthly via patreon we'll send them right to your door and you can also just subscribe for a couple of hours a month to support us and get access to a heavily discounted uh store so you can buy the releases as you choose at a big discount okay check that out. Helps us. Plus, you'll get some really cool stuff. Things you've never seen before or can't get anywhere else. All right. Thank you all. Please catch us next week. And to play us out, as always, is The Chud with All About Evil.